are listening to Internal Logic. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to uh, yet another podcast from Internal Logic. This time you're joining the KG Citizens with your hosts Cody Tracy and my co-host Dakota Briner. Awesome. The one and only. The one and only, of Probably course. Probably not. Right? The, uh, the dynamic duo, as some people may have called us, I don't uh, know. Yeah. I'm sure that's how they thought of us anyway. Sure. <laughs> can't have one without the other. Right, exactly. Well, we have basically the same name, so it makes sense anyway. Cody and Dakota. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure. Anyway, so this is kind of the, uh, the final fulfillment of a prophecy that's been long-standing. Uh, ever since basically high school, we've been told that we should be on some kind of talk show together or something like that, because... Basically, we're two sides of the same spectrum, I guess. Uh, I'm, of course, the agnostic atheist type, and you are obviously not, and therefore there's quite a bit of difference. <laughs> but thankfully, we're yeah, still friendly with each you other. You actually get the name. I'm just not. <laughs> right, exactly. Cody is this. I'm a thing, it, and you are not a yeah, thing. Yeah, just Although, think of me as the opposite. <laughs> it's, a, it's just me uh, trying to, to take the usual stereotype and take it the other way, because atheism is a lack of something. And I'm trying to make it something, and then your theism as a lack of. <laughs> it's just desserts. But anyways, <laughs> so I figured it's about time uh, we inflict our opinions upon the internet, um, you know, sort of in a crossfire kind of way. Um, we won't have Jon Stewart ever on, so we'll be okay. He won't make us go into cancellation or anything. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, crazy shenanigans going on in the world, as I'm sure everyone who's listening is aware at this point. Uh, you know, on the European front, we have Great Britain, the United Kingdom, or the not-so-United Kingdom anymore, maybe, uh, leaving the European Union. <laughs> <laughs> nice nice segue. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think it's uh, pretty appropriate. Um, our listeners in the UK, uh, if you voted to, to leave, um, congratulations. Uh, I hope... You you knew exactly what you're in for, but you know what? Again, the people have spoken, and uh, I say let them have their way. Sure. You know, if we vote in Trump, we deserve it too. So, <laughs> uh, anyway, congratulations to you folks, and uh, consolation. You know, uh, what's that? Consolations for all the other uh, condolences. Yeah, yeah. condolences <laughs> for for the uh, the stay campaign and for David Cameron in particular. Yeah. See, that's that's kind of the thing that makes me laugh is because prime minister or perhaps soon to be former prime minister David Cameron really brought it upon himself. Uh, I mean, have you did you hear about how this referendum even became a reality? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, okay, the the the, the big thing that I've read about it mm. was that this thing I don't know how valid this is, mm. and I don't. I couldn't even tell you where I read it. I can't remember now. But what I was reading was that it's kind of like an aftershock mm. from last year when Scotland was voting to potentially become its own yeah. sovereign yeah. To, nation. To secede from Great Britain, sort of like what they're yeah. threatening to so do what, now. So what they were talking about was how that kind of got the ball rolling on this yeah, um, to a, to a great degree, and then like uh, when David Cameron was beginning to campaign for the the UK general election, I think in two thousand fourteen, sort of around the same time that the Scottish referendum was on the books, but I don't think it had been voted on at that point. Sure. Um, there was a faction within his party that you know was basically threatening to usurp him and his leadership, 
that was Eurosceptic, i.e. they wanted to leave the European Union right. for uh, migration purposes and a bunch of other reasons. Um, and to appease those people, he was like, well, you know, we'll put this issue to bed once and for all by putting on a referendum and we'll see where the British public lies, thinking, of course, that they would pick to stay in the EU. Um, and then, you know, David Cameron probably was bolstered by the idea, you know, like you said, he, he managed to get through the Scottish referendum. Uh, okay. You know, he, he almost became the prime minister that destroyed the idea of a United Kingdom, and then he may have gone ahead and become that prime minister anyway. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, so basically, what's happening is he rolled the dice once. Yeah. And it worked out for him, and yeah. he's like, "Well, you know what? <laughs> I might as well just let it ride, double or nothing." Right. So he won the lottery. Yeah. And he bought more lottery tickets instead of like <laughs> investing the money. Is that that's what you're saying? Pretty much. Yeah. I okay. mean, you know, he he thought it made a lot of sense, and too, like, you know, I was reading, um, I think it was the Guardian, you know, which is a UK publication, and they were talking about how it may have actually. He, he got really involved in the campaign for this referendum for Remain to remain in the United in, in, uh, the European Union because in the previous referendums he was accused of not doing enough. So like you know sure. with the Scottish referendum he was accused of not being involved in trying to keep and court Scotland to stay. And this time he like went all in and you know he went out and campaigned for it and it blew up in his face. Sure. So, you know, it's just funny how that works. I wonder if the anti-establishment feeling does so happen to make it work that way, you know. Uh, it's just, it's strange how that works. You know, these guys who are sort of establishment politicians, they think they know how to run the system Which, after a while. Yeah. And then they make major miscalculations yeah. like this. <laughs> well, I guess my big thought is if he thought, if he really genuinely thought that they would just vote to stay. Mm-hmm. What was his backup plan if they didn't? I mean, I mean, right. I you can be sure of anything. I mean, I'm, I myself, like I'm sure of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's that's the that's the message of our time is have a backup plan for everything. Right, you got to have contingencies for any possibility. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, the CIA could tell you that. <laughs> that's their job. Um, right, you have to have you have to have. On file, yeah. a bunch of contingencies in case yeah. any one of those factors go wrong. I mean, know? Bruce Lee has a bunch of files on his computer in case the Justice League turned on him. Like, <laughs> why did he not... I, I don't know. What did he think was going to happen yeah. if they said no? Exactly. Uh, well, you know, I think it's funny because I was the, the British uh, Treasury seems like they have... Oh, they had their contingencies in place, you know, like their, their foreign... Their market regulators, rather... Um, like, you know, all their financial sector was more or less ready to go. They had their contingencies figured out. But it's strange because now that the, the vote came in, and it was barely, I mean, I say barely, I mean, it's 52%, 51.8%, you know, there's a couple point variances to that voted to leave the EU. And, you know, now that that's happened, they're, they're marking it as, well, the British people have clearly voted in this case. And then... You know, they're saying all this and they're trumpeting, you know, what needs to happen. But at the same time, they're not triggering Article 50, which actually starts the official process of leaving the EU yet. So technically, you know, there is nothing that says that they have to do it, except for the fact that there's all indications saying that they intend to do it. Sure. But, I mean, David Cameron, you know, he doesn't really want to go on doing this. 
It wasn't his baby. You know, he didn't want this. So it makes sense that he wants to step down, but he wants to wait until like October. And the, the leadership in Brussels of the European Union are pretty much like, well, time to pack your baby right, you know, like, right. <laughs> sooner rather than later yeah uh, yeah they want to get get the show on the road as quick as possible yeah. you know well i guess i guess that makes sense because you have the it's in the spotlight now yeah and so while you got to do things while it's in the spotlight otherwise you know we're going to get to october yeah and then david cameron's going to step down and we're going to be like wait what who yeah what's going on <laughs> some of us well you know here in america We'll be like, who's stepping down? And yeah. then why is he doing that? Yeah. Oh, right. That thing. The world will have stopped caring by October. Yeah. So I, I get it. You want to yeah. keep the... Well, and two, like, I guess the, you know, because the way that British, uh, the British government works, at least from what my understanding is, is that the prime minister is basically just the leader of the party. And whoever is, you know, he's obviously someone who's elected into a public office. He's like, you know, a set... Basically, an MP is like a senator, for those who don't know. Um, and they represent their certain jurisdictions. But whenever they're voted to be the party leader, they become the prime minister, is how I understand it. So it's basically like an internal party thing. And whenever you go to the polls as a regular voter in the UK, you're voting for a party, not a particular candidate, necessarily. Okay. That's the way I understand it huh. to be. And so, well, David Cameron's waiting around until October because the conservative party conference is like around October. It's like maybe right after October. So they want, he wants the conservatives or the Tories as they're called to uh, have their, their time to figure out who's going to be their Brexit prime minister, I guess. Hmm. Um, of which there's several people jockeying to be that guy. I'm sure. Uh, the former mayor of London, Boris Johnson is jockeying pretty hard. He lost his, uh, I don't know if he lost it or if he willingly vacated his uh, title as mayor of London, but he just got, uh, you know, he just left that job, so it makes sense that he would want to move into Downing Street and become prime minister. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, my thought is, I guess, if David Cameron was on the side of, <clears throat> hey guys, let's stay. Mm-hmm. I, I guess was there no was there no one person to to rally behind on the other side and saying hey let's let's leave oh no there was plenty of people there was I mean Boris Johnson was one of them uh you know he well, was, I, my question is like was I, I oh to like sort of like Trumpify sure, like someone you could run against I mean, yeah, basically I'm, I'm American mindset yeah. so my thought is well uh, if David Cameron is is the test like the the lead or the the remain guy sure for well for the sake of analogy not mm-hmm. because they're anything alike or right. i have no idea but let's say like david cameron is trump mm-hmm. who is who's david cameron's hillary i guess okay um, um well that's that it's either boris or it's a, a fellow by the name of uh, nigel farage who i believe is the uh is a member of the united kingdom independence party which is sort of like it seems like their version of the Tea Party in some respects. Okay. Although that's kind of appropriate, considering they're British. Right. <laughs> they should really have the Tea Party. Yeah, exactly. Um, so they, they have, uh, it's, you know, this, uh, a, a former faction of the Conservative Party that broke off basically over the, the, the idea of uncontrolled migration in Europe. You know, because the EU has very lax border laws. You know, anyone who's inside the EU... And as an EU national or citizen, could pretty much go into any of the other EU countries without much problem, you know. 
there's more it's kind of like travel it's like sure. almost as lax as going from state to state but like you know a little bit higher than that yeah. you know they have the they have access to the same markets and things it's not considered like international well, necessarily I, I i mean i guess i could kind of see maybe an issue i mean yeah. just because i mean it's not like going from here to california yeah. you go from germany to spain or spain to britain i mean that's that's a language barrier yeah that's there's a lot of there's a lot of that but i guess my thought is what's the big deal with that that they would want to leave well um because i I mean see it's not really many a lot of the times it's not necessarily even the members of the eu themselves it's like it's the the um like the Syrian migrants that are allowed into oh, the EU. Yeah. And then once they're in the EU, they can pretty much go wherever they want, more or less, is my mm. understanding. And, you know, they're, the the organization in Brussels is trying to distribute it out to countries that can take these people and, you know, has the resources to, like, actually accommodate them. And while that's a great idea, you know, a lot of these people are having some kickback just on the basis of what happens after they're there, you know? Sure. The ones that don't necessarily want to... Uh, <clears throat> to integrate into um, European society, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that's that's kind of where the, the UK IP get their, um, their, their um, almost Trump-esque qualities from, you know, it's the whole idea of the, the immigrants are the issue. And it's like, yeah, to an extent, and I don't think that's the only issue, you know, they talk about they don't like the idea of a one-state Europe. Yeah. You know, that's also another big contention. Yeah. They don't like the idea that their sovereignty is infringed upon, even so, though... They can't point to anything in particular, but hey, you know, yeah, how so, you feel is good. Sure. So, like, it's, but instead of instead of let's build a wall, their yeah. solution is let's leave. Yeah, let's let's, <laughs> let's, let's build a wall of paperwork instead. Yeah, or okay. you know, let's use the English Channel like we always have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> if and if anybody bad wants to come get us, that. Yeah. Northern wind. The problem is, though, is, you know, they have two years to figure this out once Article 50 um, is invoked. And, you know, in the meantime, they're still pretty much subject to all the EU laws. So in the meantime, the migrant thing that if it is a big problem for them, they're not going to be able to do much about it until three years down the line from now. So it's like, I'm glad you voted for it. (laughs) I guess... My 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 big question for all of this is mm-hmm. then, I mean, not not to somehow try to make this <laughs> like history repeating itself, but mm-hmm. does this is this just Britain making itself its own paradigm again? Like, is this yeah. is this like Henry VIII breaking away from the Catholic Church? See, some people have tried to make that comparison, or, yeah, and it's like, or some people, if not, nobody thought that would happen either, yeah. If not the Henry VIII comparison, they have the uh, the idea of um, pre World War One Europe in a sense. You know, like yeah. without the European Union, Europe will go to this sort of um, each state for themselves kind of system that they had a hundred years ago. Yeah. You know, and it's like I feel like that's that's possibly true, especially if the European Union did go on to basically fall like dominoes, like some people are suggesting. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. I think. Either England, uh, because of the the backlash from Scotland and Northern Ireland who want to stay in the European Union um, and who voted overwhelmingly to stay, either a second referendum will happen and they'll just barely choose to stay or they'll start leaving and they'll, they'll either you know lose Scotland and Ireland as they leave 
which case, you know, who knows what will happen after that. You know, they're kind of basically, they've been stripped of all their empire basically yeah. at that point, you know, which has a nice bit of brown symmetry to it. But hey, you know what? At least everyone got what they wanted in sure. the end. Well, the, Brit- I, the British or the English can have their island to themselves. The Scottish can stay in the yeah. European Union. Northern Ireland and Ireland could be reunited. Yeah. You know, like, I don't see this necessarily being bad, but it's like, you know, for the status quo anyway, it changes quite a lot. Sure. Well, I guess, do you have, does it, does it make it any, any different for people outside of that? Like, you know, um, if I wanted to go to Britain versus if I wanted to go to Germany? Um, not for, uh, not really. I mean, I guess it's, it's two different um, like if you wanted to get like visas from those places, instead of just applying to to get into the Euro zone, you might have to now individually deal with Britain and then the European Union. Because okay. I think before, you know, even with the United States, you're allowed to more or less travel within the European Union's borders so long as you like you get your visa through the EU. Yeah. I think is how that works. Yeah. Because when I went overseas, I don't. I don't know what my aunt did to prepare for me, but I would imagine, given how easy it was for us to go from France to Germany and all that without being stopped and all sure. that, you just apply to EU, like, you know, get the European Union's visa, and then you're pretty much good to go anywhere within okay. the 28, well, 27 <laughs> <laughs> countries. Right. All right. Um, yeah. I mean, and beyond all of that, I mean, you know, their val- I'm sure their currency will come back. You know, they had when Friday morning came around and there was all, the, you know, the, the pound was down to the lowest level it had been to since 1985 and whatnot. I, I haven't heard any more doom and gloom coming from that front. So I assume things are kind of rebounding. Yeah. But, you know, we'll that that'll be an interesting thing to see how it develops, you know, when they if and when they ever invoke the actual leaving process, uh we'll probably have to follow up on this. Okay. <laughs> um are there any countries that wanna follow? Yeah, you know, uh there's there's some separatist factions in like France, you know, there's there's kind of far right places in several different countries that are eyeing their move. Um France is having their general election this year. So they might some other parties and other countries now might make their campaign promise that they will have a referendum like this if they get elected. Uh, so, you know, this is kind of where handling the transition out of the EU is paramount for Brussels because if they make it look too easy, you know, the other sort of countries that really just are kind of tepid about the whole thing yeah. will start stepping out and it will become a big issue, I think, pretty quick. Uh, but again, who knows, that might not be a bad thing. You know, maybe we're stepping back into the pre-World War One stage. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess, you know, to to pivot a little bit, this is kind of related. Guess who was in Scotland when this happened? Who? Donald Trump. (laughs) (laughs) And he, of course, praised it while in Scotland that it was sure. great that they took their country back, even though he was surrounded probably by people who overwhelmingly right. thought that they lost their country. To... Yeah, sure. <laughs> and then he went, I'm sure he went to another country that's still in the European Union and said, well, my microphone, and <laughs> I couldn't understand the question because of this earpiece, and Oh, it's your own, who cares? <laughs> right, yeah. You know... You guys do what you want. Um, I'm going to go get some more concrete for my wall. Right, exactly. Well, the, that was the, the funniest of all things. I thought he was there like as a sort of a um, 
hey, look, I can I can rub shoulders with world leaders kind of thing that some presidential candidates do. Yeah. No, he was there promoting his golf course that he had there. <laughs> of course. I'm like, man, you're wow. still you're still freaking promoting in your, Scotland. Yeah, you're even better. Yeah, exactly. I'm just surprised he didn't go entirely local and wear like a freaking kilt and stuff. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah. All flannel. Sure. <laughs> all right. Well, that's fitting. Because... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we're we're heading into the conventions here. I think in a couple of weeks, right? The the Republican convention and stuff yes. is in June or yes. in July. Uh, yeah, we'll finally figure out who these people's running mates will be on yeah. both sides. Uh, That'll we'll be finally, interesting. We'll finally get a verdict from Paul Ryan. Yeah, uh, what like if whether or not he would be VP again? Why, whether or not he's gonna like just come out and say that he endorses Trump because the vibe I'm getting from him right now is that, well, everyone was already saying, yeah, it's an inevitability. He's going to do it. Yeah. But you can just tell he really doesn't want to. Him and Mitch McConnell both. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I feel like his, his whole motive now is just to look down the road because I think he knows that this election is screwed. Mm. everyone knows not just for the republican party but depending on who you talk to it's kind of screwed for the other side too um and i think that the vibe i'm getting from him is he's looking four years down the road of if we don't win this election which we just talked about earlier how trump is double digits behind yeah if we don't win this one you know how can i get myself to be the front runner four years time yeah because i can see that happening yeah, and I don't dislike Paul Ryan. No, I think but it's uh, just an example of how you're like you're just forced to do things you don't want to do. Yeah, I mean it's just kind of the political climate at the moment. I mean there's there's a great big upsurge in uh, nationalism, and I think um, Donald Trump is probably one of the most easy examples to point to, at least in American politics. Uh, you know, he's sort of like a co coalescence of uh sort of the sentiments that have been kicking around since 2008 with the tea party you yeah. know or 2010 ish with the yeah. Tea party and you know now it's like it's blowing by the republican establishment making them embarrassed even. yeah like you know they've lost control of the monster that they've kind of been courting this whole sure. time well and i don't even think that <clears throat> i don't know i feel like this whole handling of of donald trump and this this ever, like you said, this ever present uh, anger, mm. and you know, it, it, it. I think it disguises itself as nationalism. Yeah, we'll see how much that really is. I think it's more just protecting what's mine. Yeah, well, I mean, mentality. that's that's usually what accompanies, you know, at least nationalistic movements. You know, yeah. it's like I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't go so far as to say that Trump is like the second coming of Hitler, yeah. like some people like to decry. Well, I mean. And, uh, but he's definitely not someone I would want running my country. However, at the on the same token, it's like is Hillary necessarily the best choice either? Sure, not really. You know, it's kind of. But unfortunately, that's the way the Democratic primary system works. And yeah. poor Bernie didn't manage to pull it out. And yeah, it's like. But I still feel like there's an opportunity for Hillary to pick someone like Bernie, if not Bernie himself. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think she will because she doesn't want anyone to steal her thunder either. Right. You know, and look, looking at where she's sitting, if in four years' time, you know, if she either gets indicted through this email thing 
or you know she's just too middle of the road for the ever sort of left the ever uh deepening left depthness you know like yeah. the people on the left keep dragging the left further yeah you know, the democrats keep going further extreme. and further and even hillary who's kind of like dragging behind by like four years or whatever sure. next to the mainstream idea of where a progressive should be yeah if someone is more like that and is more in tune with that part of the voting block than Hillary, I can see her possibly losing the nomination, even if she is president. You yeah. Know? Wow. It hasn't happened in a long time, no. like you know, but it has happened before. Uh, like I believe LBJ lost his, you know, he was contested, and then he ended up just deciding not to run at yeah. all. You know, basically because he probably wouldn't have won anywhere. Sure. So, well, I can always see and, that I being mean, her case, too. And just like that, I mean, you go four years before that, mm. LBJ had, like, a landslide victory yeah. getting reelected. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Hillary could just ride the waves now, but for how long? Yeah. Well, I mean, going back going back to what you were saying, though, about the, the monster, mm. the Republican Party losing control. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of what happens. Uh with stuff like that. I mean, the Tea Party is... I mean, I get it. I, I really... Here's my thing. I really want to sympathize with Republicans. Yeah. I, I get where, where they're coming from. I understand certain things that the Republican Party lays claim to, i.e., you know, the need to defend ourselves in a dangerous world. Uh-huh. Um, things like common sense realities. I get that. But... They create the Tea Party was a result of them being too upset with the way their party was, so they radically altered the way they handled things. Mm. But instead of doing that within the party, they just made themselves like a subdivision, <laughs> right? But and and but that's exactly like how the liberal movement was. Mm. I mean, we we make there's you know, and throughout since the 60s, there's been like political cartoons and things like of that nature yeah, there's always painting. been the undercurrent of like discontent with the establishment yeah well like know? but the, and you know they would paint liberals like these pot smokers who right. were just lazy at home eating cheetos and living <laughs> off the government i mean they still do that yeah that's how the liberal liberal movement is is viewed yeah. by a lot of conservative people but that's not how it started mm-hmm. and so that's what i want to sympathize with I want to I want to understand the Tea Party and be, and I because I get where they're coming from. Yeah. But where they've gone now is kind of their own fault. Yeah. Well, I mean, they've been more or less absorbed re- again by the Republican Party. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like you know the the darlings of the of the Tea Party. You know, Paul Ryan, he's Speaker of the House now. I mean, uh, Ted Cruz was the not Trump candidate until the Trump, you know, until Trump's popularity basically just swamped him. Sure. So, you know, those people were more darlings of, of the Tea Party movement, but now they're almost like they're considered entrenched establishment because they managed to actually get elected. Yeah. You know, whereas the rest of them... They like, did everything right. Well, yeah, they, they ended up... So they did everything they were supposed to. Right, right they, they were... Uh, they're career politicians in the making who rode the coattails of the grassroots movement all the way to power. <laughs> As it should oh, be. Oh, man. As it should be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I think... I, I also think it's kind of cheesy for the Republican Party to be like, 
well, you made us do this because the the liberals, uh, it's their fault. You know, they're just, they're getting too far out there, so we need to rein them in with Donald Trump. Right. Or this whole theory about how Donald Trump is just a pawn in order to help Hillary get elected. Like, <laughs> all of that is just cop-outs. You screwed up. Admit it. <laughs> right. And, I mean, deal with the consequences, I guess. Well, I mean, and, th- and even if that was wanted, the case, it worked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay, they, they wanted someone... Who could appeal to the people? Yeah, appeal to certain groups of people in that they were losing, like losing touch with. Yeah, and Trump did that, but they don't like Trump. Yeah, like so it was like he did all the things they needed their candidate to do, but they because can't stand it's him. <laughs> because it's Donald Trump, it's like Gary at the office or something. You know, like. <laughs> Every office has a Gary who's like, he, he's got the corner office, and you're like, he's only there specifically for you to get mad at him. So yeah. Like, like, you have a meeting, and he's the last one there. Oh, thanks for showing up, Gary. <laughs> Where he gives all the stupid suggestions. Like, thanks, Gary. Yeah. We're not going to do that. Brilliant. And then Gary becomes, like, CEO. <laughs> And, and by doing everything right, and you're like, oh, crap. Right, because in life you fail upwards. <laughs> how, you know? how did this happen? Yeah. Like, you go out to drinks, and you invite Gary for the specific purpose of just saying, oh, crap, here comes Gary. Right. Oh, guys, uh, don't look. <laughs> Gary's coming. And you look at him, and you're like, yeah, there's no way that guy will ever move up in this, in this company. And then, yeah. <laughs> Five years later, you go to the company picnic, and it's like, look at our new CEO, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> How did this happen? What? It could have been anybody else but Gary. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, Trump is definitely the Gary in that case. (laughs) But it's like, you know, he's like the Gary who you didn't even know was like, you didn't even know worked there. You know, it's like you saw him at the Uh, grocery store for a while and you're like, man, I sure, that guy's all right in short doses. It's kind of funny to watch enforced on strangers, you know. But I don't want him near me. Right. And then you go in to work one day, and he's like, yo, I'm your boss now. I'm Gary Trump. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, you're trying to get, you're trying to pass, like, maybe you're trying to get, like, some new advertising idea pitched. Mm-hmm. And Gary's just the janitor who's, like, a wisecracker. Yeah. But he supports you, so you're like, yeah, we'll take whoever we can get. Look, guys, we got Gary the janitor. Yeah. To support our advertising scheme. <laughs> Oh, wait. <laughs> Gary actually works here now. Yeah. Oh, wait. He's above me now. Yeah. Gary's uh, now the director of advertising <laughs> because he picked this winner. <laughs> right. It's like, but I actually made it. Well, Gary had the belief in it, so that's the important thing. <laughs> so now we got a campaign against Gary. Yeah, yeah. Even though yeah. we accepted his support. Well, you know, but it's like they're doing enough, the Republicans are doing enough stuff aside from that to ruin their own agenda that they almost kind of don't need Trump. And the other big news from today, or at least today as of recording, was the uh, the Supreme Court decision that they pretty much let happen because they won't let President Obama fill in the frickin' Supreme Court vac- you know, vacancy. It, they theoretically could have had a different outcome today in terms of the... Uh, Striking down the the Texas uh, um, abortion restrictions laws that they passed in 2013, and you know this is kind of a pet cause for both sides. Um, you know, obviously the pro life side uh, thinking that it's a undue burden on women, 
because I mean the, the laws themselves are kind of peculiar. Um, like basically the the performing doctors at these abortion clinics have to have admit admitting privileges at hospitals within 30 miles of the clinic, which basically none of them did. Um, and I, right. from what I understand, that's a pretty rare thing because you know hospitals don't just give admitting privileges to doctors who don't work inside the hospital or haven't previously worked. Okay, is this... I remember watching that John Oliver bit yeah. on abortion laws. Is this because abortion clinics are treated like hospitals now? Um, yeah, well, at least when they So they Texas. have to have these things? Yeah, yeah. Um, that was the other provision here. Not only so, they have to have admission uh, privileges within a 30-mile radius, and they need to have an operational surgical center... Even when basically they're doing the uh, the pill um, way of abortion, like early early uh, fetus, yeah, um, you take like two pills and it basically causes you to have your period like normal. Yeah, um, the, you have to have an inpatient uh, facility to accommodate those people, even though even though you don't need to be there for it. And I think yeah. they even made the provision that you even had to like be there for part of it or something like that. Like you had to give those pills to them within that like operational zone inside that like surgical center or whatever. Yeah. And so as a result of that in Texas, I mean, you know, pretty big population, I'm sure there's a large percentage of women who probably want to to have um control or access to to abortion and stuff. And dropped the clinics from 42 to 19 within the last three years. Now, admittedly, you know, uh, the people who are pro-life are probably okay with that. However, at the same time, you know, the long-term costs, if they'd left this law alone, might have um, really done some harm to the state of Texas. But now we'll never know because it's just been ruled unconstitutional, like I said. Um, but I think the, the Republicans or the conservatives kind of made their own bed here, too. Like I said, you know, they won't let President Obama fill the vacancy uh, with a moderate judge who possibly could have even have felt that there was a constitutional argument for it. Sure. Um, so now they pretty much have given the pro-choice people the biggest victory they've had since Roe v. Wade, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It strikes down, they're, they're considering similar, law, similar laws here in Missouri, and, you know, now that probably won't be looked at as being constitutional. So we'll see how that transpires into the future. And I'm sure they, they'll probably, someone will probably try to, to bring another legal challenge to it in another state to try and get another angle on it, another way of arguing for it. Sure. But, you know, for now, with the court still being uh, only eight. Sure. Yeah. You know, Basically, I'm sure we're, we're likely to have more decisions like this in the future. I guess they did come down on the side of the conservatives for the immigration plan that they struck down. Yeah. I don't know if you saw anything about I did. that. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a hard time talking about this. Yeah. Because, I mean, I'm pro-life. Mm. So, I'm outside of it. I look at it. My message is not, you know, go to the go to the abortion clinic. Right. Is, you know, don't abort, adopt. Right. And I mean, I recognize the whole plethora of things that are wrong right. with the. There's adoption, plenty of reasons to the adoption system. Yeah. So, at, but at the at the end of the day, my met, my thought is still, 
you know, don't don't get an abortion. I would never counsel anyone to do that. Yeah. Um, so I, it doesn't, this whole thing doesn't affect me. Yeah, no. I mean, it's, it doesn't really, I'm not, I don't live in Texas either, so, you know, right. being pro-choice, it doesn't even really matter well, to me. Well, I, I mean, you said they were considering things here. Yeah, in other states it's, and stuff. It, people are gonna, uh, people are gonna do what they're gonna do. I can't yeah. try to, I just don't believe force in, my opinions on them. Exactly. I don't believe in mandating uh, any particular ideology uh, onto other people necessarily, sure. you know. So, um, if it, in this case, you know, it was ruled to be constitutionally, there was a undue burden being put upon women in Texas in terms of being able to prov- get this access to uh, what they feel they need. Um, so, like, for me, it's it's just kind of like a uh, an instance of people getting what they want, more or less, and people who would otherwise tell people what they want not being allowed to. Sure. But, you know, again, if you... I, I understand the moral, moral arguments against it. Yeah. However, it's like, you know, it's hard to really sit in judgment on every single case of, yeah. of someone who might actually legitimately need it, but who can't get access to it. I will say that my big beef with being pro-life or being pro-choice, either one, is this... The focus is not on... Uh, on the Republican side, sorry, the, yeah. the the focus is not on helping women. Yeah. I don't feel like it is. No. Because their message is, don't get an abortion, we're not going to pay for it, you know, yeah, this and that and the other. Mm. But there's no, there's no focus on, or there, there's no alternative. Yeah. There's nothing to say, well, you know. We'll give you some kind of incentive if you adopt the child, right? Or you know, there's no follow up beyond the. Let's initial do reforms no. to help the adoption system. Yeah. You know, because the adoption system has its own issues going on right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. So when I say that I'm pro life and that I would say that I would tell I would never counsel anyone to get an abortion, mm-hmm. my 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 mindset doesn't stop there. Yeah, I'm not going to be like, don't get an abortion. Good luck. Right. My, my thought is... Good don't luck get being a mom of four working your crappy job. <laughs> right. So I'm going to say, you know, my, my, my whole thing on this would be, instead of focusing on how can you put these little tidbits in the fine print yeah. to somehow screw over abortion agencies, or mm. abortion... Uh, agencies. Clinics. Abortion clinics. Yeah. Not agencies, my bad. <laughs> uh, instead of putting little tidbitty laws in there to protect your... Lobbyists mm-hmm. uh, send another message yeah. saying, you know, instead of don't or don't don't abort, adopt those mm-hmm. kinds of messages, right? Or instead of like arguing that well, they should be treated as hospitals and have wider hallways, or else they can't be open, right? Wag wag finger, <laughs> just enough. <laughs> Instead, focus on, like, what you can do to help women so that they won't even, they don't feel like they have to get an abortion. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, beyond that, maybe uh, overhaul the sex education system. Yeah. Or maybe actually create a national one in the first place. Sure. Because, you know, basically it's left to the, uh, the whims of the state. 
and then even beyond that, even by a district by district level, you know, and it's like, yeah, abstinence is great, and you know, it's great for you know, uh, keeping everything nice and simple sure. and without any emotional baggage and all that stuff. However, talk about the the, quali- the nice qualities of it all you want. It's not terribly effective when it comes to curtailing a teenage pregnancy. So, I mean, even if we could, yeah. if we can find some way of tweaking it, that, that system to make people more educated so that there are less fetuses that need to be aborted in the first place or, you know, quote, quote, felt like needed to be, um, taken care of, or kids that need to be put into the adoption system and overtaxed the adoption system to extremes. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of ways at various levels of that to make it easier on everybody. You know, it's not yeah. as simple as well. You know, we need to just eliminate access to abortion because we want dead soldiers later, like George Carlin sort of famously said. It's like Republicans want live babies so they can have dead soldiers. Yeah. <laughs> You no. Know, well, you can have that baby, but don't expect freaking welfare to help it. You know, help you know grow it up or anything yeah. like that, and then expect it to be consigned to the military. You know. Yeah, sure. Well, and and I I also I recognize <laughs> the dark side of that too, where if you do provide some sort of incentive for the mother to carry it to term, mm-hmm. then everyone's going to be having children. Yeah, everyone's having the welfare we'll, we'll baby. Have, or yeah, we'll have ourselves a second baby boom. Yeah. Um, it's a really tough issue. It's yeah. really complicated. It's it's um, a it's a doomed either way. Kind of yeah, like you're you really are darned if you do, you're darned if you don't. Yeah. And I again, my my whole thing is just don't do it. There's other things. There's there's. Right. And I say that not as someone who has just you know. Oh, I've read about it. <laughs> I've talked to women who have either experienced that. Uh-huh. Or have pondered it, you know, they've actually been through the process to potentially do that. Yeah. And what's going through your what's going through their minds at that point is so many different things. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's like um, even if you're somewhere who is sort of sympathetic to the idea of other people getting it, right? Right. When it comes to get it yourself, I bet there's quite a bit of like this sort of um guilt and shame that comes with it, I'm sure, just because it's like it's 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 bad. It's like the ultimate one of the ultimate taboos yeah. in our culture. So like, you know, even if you're pro choice and you're all about it and you make freaking like baby smoothie jokes and stuff, when you're finally there, you know, it yeah. probably is another thing entirely. Yeah. Well and I mean I mean George Carlin also said, you know, not everything is about your reproductive freedom either. Yeah, well that's true. So there's on, limits to anything. So. Yeah. So on the flip side of you know, pumping out babies to have soldiers, right. there's also the the thing of, you know, maybe like think of right. the potential of what you know, potential ramifications if you did get right. pregnant. It's like, you know, abortion's not a primary form of birth control. Exactly. You know? This it's not like a Get out of jail free card. Right, exactly. You're gonna be try not to be in jail before you use up all your get out of jail free cards. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, either way, you're gonna have a lot of stress on your nerves. Yeah. Um, um either it's really quick and super intense, hmm. or it's drawn out over eighteen years. Right, exactly. Until they move out. <laughs> uh, I and I don't say that lightly. I mean, either yeah. way, it's. That's that's the risk you take. 
Yeah. Well, when you exactly. have sex. It's the risk you take doing basically anything. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but I especially mean, like, with that. I mean, that's another... Li- that's another... That's a, that's something that depends on you at that point. Yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. For I mean, it's a lot of life. commitment for a, uh, a relatively quick incident. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, well, I guess... Uh, <laughs> I feel of, like I've said all I can say about Right, that. right. To kind of ape on the same <laughs> idea of the whole, uh, they want babies to have dead soldiers. Um, not that any of these people are probably going to die, but it's interesting. The uh, There is, um, in the Senate, there they just confirmed a bill that will possibly allow women to be uh, drafted if and when that comes in. So women 18 to 25, like us men, We'll have to sign up for the selective services possibly <sighs> here in the future. Well, you know what, though? It's like, it used to be like that, but um, thanks to um, certain uh, advocacy groups, uh, women are now able to enter full combat roles and stuff, and if there's a woman out there who can cut it and who wants to do it, I don't see any particular reason for it. I've seen a lot of statistics that say that women in combat tend not to really do as well, and they tend to get injured, especially in places out there in the world where they don't really respect women. So it's almost like they pick them to be malicious. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, look, the woman soldier's here. Let me shoot her in the face to make her not so pretty anymore. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Well, I sorry, I wasn't, <coughs> I wasn't scoffing at yeah. the prospect of women being in the army. I was scoffing at the, the idea of a draft. Yeah, well, yeah, that's... Thankfully, that hasn't been a thing for, what, 40 years now or something like that? Like yeah, well, I would hope it would never come back. Yeah. I, I don't really like... I don't like the fact that I had to sign up for the selective services, but I say it's... If, if equality is truly going to be had in between us, I guess, they should uh, theoretically have their, their lives on the line, too, in yeah. the need of... If uh, their country needs them. Sure. Um... Well, see, my thought would be, why would their country need them? Well, yeah, exactly. And I mean, yeah, we're all, we're all volunteer. Yeah, it's an all volunteer force at this point. Well, and there's it's not and, like there's a shortage. Yeah, and there's and, and, you know, 300 million Americans, and there's right. plenty of, you know, half of us are men, so. Well, drone warfare is kind of phasing out the foot soldier anyway. That's true. There's more collateral so damage, you, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm not arguing, like, the yeah, tenets yeah. of drone warfare i'm just saying like why do you need more bodies yeah well i think it's it's more of a symbolic gesture and actually it's kind of another it's almost like a dave cameron moment in some ways the guy who proposed it in the the house of representatives actually did it to prove a point and then it won like it actually went through he voted against his own measure because he was doing it like sort of as a what's this world coming to are women going to be in the draft now too let's just make it that way you know and he put it out facetiously and people sort of looked at it and they're like, well, why not at this point? They're allowed to be in combat roles. Yeah. And before that, they weren't allowed because constitutionally, you know, they weren't able to to be in those roles. So if they're not suited to be in those roles in the military's estimation, why should we conscript them? So now that it's now the opinion of the military that they want women or, you know, they have no reason to not have women be part of it and in fact the pentagon's come out in support of it and stuff um you know basically the armed forces committee was like sure why not john mccain i think even was like i don't see the problem and the the measure went through all right at least he doesn't have to resign like poor dave cameron (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, you roll the dice over here, you just kind of get a smack on the face. Right. Thankfully, uh, there's or so many... Not even a smack on the face. There's so many craps games being played around here yeah. that no one really remembers <laughs> your failures for much longer. It's more of a less of a... You, it's like Karate Kid, where you just you take the hit, right. and Mr. Miyagi does his special healing move on you, and you just get back in there. <laughs> So, well, I guess uh, too. If they, if uh, women can be Ghostbusters, they can be, uh, <laughs> they could be soldiers, and they can be conscripted. I guess. Yep. 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 But All Lord right. forbid, Lord forbid, if anyone in the Taliban or something calls them, uh, calls them sissies or something like that, that's sexist. Right. They'll get post traumatic yeah. stress, stress disorder. Don't don't put them on posters saying they're not cool either. Yeah. Yeah. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> they're not allowed. Yeah. We can't do that either. Especially if they're uh, they're women of color. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's yeah. that's the label. It's like I almost feel like I'm saying a racist thing, saying of color, but that's like it's strange. That's like the the freaking term now. Uh, I don't get it. I know it's like it makes it makes me feel like I'm in some McCarthy era freaking show yeah. or something. Well, if I called... They're colored. Like, if a customer no, came into my right. work and I called him a colored fella, he'd get mad at me. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, he would tear my face off. It's like, I don't feel like it's imp- it's important to uh, emphasize the melanin content. Right. <laughs> it's just, he's a guy. Yeah, exactly. Why? I don't know. It's like, there's, there's many different types of people out there. There are many sort of molds of person. Yeah. And if any one of them happens to be there, it doesn't mean that necessarily whatever the situation they're in is what all of them do. Right. <laughs> right. Okay, well, or like if I, if I point you out in the crowd and I say, oh, you're looking for him, he's that black guy over there. Right. And he's in a sea of white guys, I'm going to pick the thing that st- makes him stand out. Yeah, that'd make it the easiest. I mean, like, you know, he might also have a British accent, but, you know, because he's not talking, yeah. you're not going to be like, it's the guy with the British accent right. over there. It's like, visually, that tells me nothing. Sure. <laughs> or like you, I would be like, oh, hey, Cody's that long-haired guy over there. Right. Because how many guys have long hair? Right, exactly. Right. Or like, oh, look, that tall guy over there. Oh, I'm offended. <laughs> You're saying all tall guys stand next to the freaking concession stand, like, <laughs> are all are all tall guys fat? In your yeah. opinion, <laughs> gotta love uh, your body. <laughs> He's the guy with the glasses over there. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's sightest. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I'm offended. Yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, well, I think. Let's see. We we got pretty a lot of div- divisive uh, topics. In yeah. This. We're almost already at the hour mark. Are we? Yeah, right. we are. So I mean, do you have any how closing? Much, how much time we got left? Well, I mean, it's it's pretty much however long. I mean, I pretty much hit all the the major news that uh, that is going on right now. I mean, I don't really want to rehash any of the Orlando stuff. Nah. Because you know what hasn't been said about well, that. Well, okay, getting off the political topic then. Yeah. Uh, Game of Thrones. Oh yeah, yeah. let's let's end on something light. Sure, so. yeah. <laughs> Entertainment section. Yay! Uh, we'll try to work on that. Uh, Game of Thrones was pretty sick last night. Yeah. Um, sick in both awesome and like actually sick. Because, in a slightly grotesque kind of way. <laughs> yes. Uh, unsurprisingly, people died. Yeah. Um. I don't think that it was a better episode 
than the one that came before it, but because the one that came before it. For those of you who don't watch, the one that came before it was a giant battle scene. Uh-huh. Great, fantastic, probably the best uh, Game of Thrones episode yet. Yeah. So, but it was a nice finish to the season. Yeah. Uh, I think. You can go anywhere. Leaving on a cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the prospect of. Uh... I wouldn't even say it was a cliffhanger. It was more just of a. It was like a setting the stage. Right. I mean, it's more of like a, instead of like a immediate danger kind of cliffhanger, it's more of yeah. like a, um, this is a really epic place to go out on, so yeah. you want to see more immediately, you know, that sure. kind of thing. Well, like, yeah, it, it really set the stage for everything. I mean, I'm being intentionally vague because I don't right. want to spoil it. Don't anything, want to be spoilerific. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it, it, it really feels like all the pieces are in place, like everything that the show has been building towards uh-huh. since season one is in place now. Yeah. Uh, so now you just kind of sit back and let it do its thing. Yeah, so now, like, the, I think next season is going to be a culmination of everybody's goals, be it Cersei, mm. uh, Jon Snow, um, Khaleesi, yeah, Khaleesi, slash Daenerys. <laughs> uh, everybody is where they want to be. Yeah. So now it comes down to, can they hold on to it? Right. The only thing they're afraid of is losing the power they've just obtained. And it's going to be awesome, because HBO is throwing all kinds of money at it now. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, it makes sense. It's like their most lauded show at the moment, so... Yeah, I'm, uh, I look forward to the the idea of the two Sarah Connors fighting it out. Yes, that would be interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they might as well uh, relish... The fact that they're both strong, independent women on television. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be even funnier if they both had, like, children that they were trying to raise to be strong. Uh. It's like, oh, you don't say. I feel like we've seen this before from both of you. Uh, Yeah, so, True Detective Season 3. Yeah. I forgot to mention this earlier. Yeah. Uh, I have no idea. Maybe not, is it I don't think anybody or, has any idea. No, or the, oh, the no, designers are working on it. They they don't know what they want to do. Oh, okay. I think... Well, it's been a couple of years even since the last one, hasn't well, it? Well, the last, the last season came out last summer. Okay. Uh, it was okay. It was interesting. Not as good as year one. No, not nearly as good as year one. So they're kind of wondering if the guy who's writing it, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um... He says it's been really stressful to write every episode himself. Yeah, I would imagine. So my thought, and it seems like this is what they're doing, season three will probably be the last. Mm. Kind of a bummer. But who knows, because they haven't even, like, declared who's going to be in it. Yeah. Declared what Assuming that there's even going to be a season three. Yeah, like, like, you know. that's, that's really... Does blow apart on the launching pad? Yeah, those all those things are anybody's guess. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that uh, Brexit doesn't screw with Doctor Who's production at all. Yeah, because yeah. you know the BBC is a state-funded institution right. with a Scot playing the lead, yeah. <laughs> so it might be a little awkward if Great Britain and Scotland went their separate ways while the Doctor's yep. still Scottish. Maybe they'll <laughs> reference it on the show. Like, yeah, oh. maybe so. The doctor has to have a different 
I don't know. Yeah, so he changes his accent. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Peter, we can't have this. <laughs> yep. Or or it influences Peter Capaldi to leave, so yep. it's not awkward. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were or like we were going to film these scenes on location, but. Right. That location wasn't Britain, so... Well, that was in the EU, but since we can't go there anymore... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's funny, I guess in the 70s they did actually have an episode that... Or a story that was vaguely about them joining the EU. Because that was around, like, in the 70s sure. is when they joined. And uh, basically it was the third Doctor helping a planet join a unit... A union of outer space planets... And all, all that right. stuff. Well, yeah. you know, so now we need an episode that reflects the Doctor helping and <laughs> helping a planet leave. Same planet. Yeah, exactly. Same planet. They're gonna leave now. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, there's two stories already on that planet on Peladon, so they need a third Peladon story. Yep. yep. There you go. There it is. <laughs> Full circle. And yep. it was John Pertwee, so I'm sure if uh, Peter Capaldi hangs around, he would be down with making a threequel. <laughs> To a, a, a doctor that he likes, and a lot. maybe and maybe the doctor will suggest, "Oh, you guys should just leave," not <laughs> thinking that people would actually do it. Right, exactly. And oh, look, they did. Uh, and, <laughs> and with that, I believe, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> yes, and with that, I think our show has come full circle. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, let us know what you thought of the first episode of the uh, KG Citizen. I, 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 I'm still good with the title. I like it personally. Right. We were debating amongst ourselves, and personally, I think it's uh, the right sort of uh, in, indifferent and yes. the right sort of, uh, I guess, kind of um, unrelenting. They don't. We don't care about. We are taking suggestions. Yeah, yeah. Any uh, any sort of. Our story that you'd like us to cover or any article you'd like us to deconstruct uh just go ahead and uh facebook message us at the internal logic facebook page might as well just use that it already sure. exists cool so uh again thanks for listening everybody this is uh cody tracy and <laughs> the probably not dakota briner yeah yeah the possibly I, Dakota Brian. I, I will Google that for the next show to see how many other Dakota Brianers there are in the world. Gotcha. We'll find out. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, take care. Have a good uh, however long. Say la vie. Yeah, say la vie.